So hello, hello and welcome to My Tennis Journey. Today's guest really has had an incredible tennis journey. As a junior, she was national champion in multiple age groups and she reached number one in the country. She turned pro and played on the tour, making it to, I think, 532 in the world. When the pro career was cruelly cut short by injury, she went on to become an outstanding coach and a key member of Team Clark that supports her brother, Jay Clark, in his pro tennis quest, a quest that I and our whole family loves following. Last but not least, she's also recently made her commentating debut. What a journey it's already been. Welcome to the show, Yasmin Clark. Hi. Good to see you, Yas. Yeah, how you doing, Rob? Really, really well. Thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, let's go right back to the beginning to start. Um, were your mum and dad sporty? I mean, I'm guessing from the journeys that your good self, your sisters and your brothers that you've been on, I'm guessing your mum and dad were sporty. Yeah, so um, dad ran sort of English schools, uh, mum uh, did javelin as well. Both played sport, not really tennis, to be honest, but dad used to play a bit with his friends and stuff. But where we lived, we lived sort of literally 50 metres away from CURC Tennis Club. And I grew up there playing not only tennis, but, you know, frisbee, football, everything. They've got a big field there. It was a, a cricket pitch. And all my cousins and brothers and sisters every weekend, you know, we were always down there. So I think that's how I became sporty, just from being outside with my family all the time. You, your mum and dad were both really good athletes then. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. My mum did uh, sort of athletics until she was sort of about 16, 17, uh, to yeah. quite a high level. And dad, yeah, my dad took part in everything. So he actually played basketball for Great Britain as a junior as well. Um, but he did sort of English schools. And then I suppose got a proper job, as people would say, um, but always had sort of a passion for sport. And then the tennis thing kind of kicked off when I was, I suppose I was seven. Jay was just about to be born. Um, my dad used to play with me and my sister, me and Simone, um, down at CURC just in the evenings and weekends and things and then he ended up getting pulled into the teams and all that stuff and it, it just I suppose it snowballs but yeah they all you know my dad loved football he loved watching it and, and everything so it's yeah always, it's cool. always struck me that as a family you know um, I didn't know about you, your dad playing for uh, basketball that's amazing but it always struck me that you're like you are a very very sporty family yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I always, I always feel sorry for Simone because she did. She, you know, she still played tennis to a really, really good level. She still played county tennis, wow. um, but she, she kind of took the, took it a different route. She, but yeah, she plays hockey. She plays netball. Um, plays tennis occasionally if we make her get the rackets out. But <laughs> generally, yeah, we've all been very sporty with tennis. I suppose for me and the, for me and the lads, has kind of dominated our lives. So your dad's playing tennis. Do you, I mean, do you remember when you first started playing? How old you were? What? You know, were you yeah. Just... yeah, so I was I was seven. So I start I picked up my I picked up a racket sort of the summer that Jay was born. So I'd been just about to turn eight. Um and yeah, literally it was just with my dad and we just kind of started to watch. It was sort of the Venus and Serena Williams, but there's also sort of Steffi Graf, Capriati, Hingis, you know, Kleisters. These guys were all on TV and it was just an amazing time for, I mean, it was like golden era for women's tennis. I, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite time period of what's been happening. It's just, there were so many good players and it was so competitive, you know, Davenport, you didn't know who was going to win. And I think that's kind of inspired me to go and play. You know, we used to have a driveway and me and my sister always used to play on the driveway as well. 
uh, if we could, you know, if we weren't allowed to walk down to the courts on our own. So it was, um, yeah, it was just, we loved it that summer especially. And it must have inspired you because when I was doing research for, for chatting today and it, by nine, you were traveling the world for international junior events. Now, how did you make such progress so quickly? I think, yeah, probably, yeah, I think I played my first, yeah, my first junior international when I was nine. Um, and yeah, it was just purely because I, I loved it. I loved sport. I, I, before I did tennis, I used to do athletics, I used to do running, um, and I loved that as well. Um, but it was just kind of, I suppose, because I was quite sporty, I took to it quite quickly, I guess. Um, and it, yeah, it just snowballed and escalated quite, quite fast. I started, I met Ash sort of a couple of weeks after I'd sort of started that, playing. And, that's Ashley Broomhead for those yes, who is actually, yeah. actually yeah. Yeah. I, I spoke um, to you a couple of days ago, he's going to be. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, the podcast coming out. So yeah, yeah so you met Ashley. Yeah, and Ash has been sort of a huge part of my journey as well. You know, I, like I said, I've known him since I was seven, and I still go to him advice for now as, as a coach. You know, he, he mentored me when I did my coaching, so I've got a great relationship with him. But yeah, I suppose I had a couple of lessons a week, and I just played all the time with my dad and my sister, and just loved it. You know, playing competitions, winning, losing. And um, I remember my first ever like proper match. I was like seven years old, playing best of three sets with full balls. I mean, it doesn't happen now, but wow. you know, back in the day, it did. So um, yeah, no, I, I just loved it. It's different every day. You don't know what's coming up. It's um, yeah, the dream. And I mean, you know, stepping onto a court is it's a brave thing for a child to do, but even more so in events when you're miles from home, you know, where, where were these international events and, and what's your memories of competing at such a young age? So uh, one of my first events, I went to uh, La Rochelle, I think it was La Rochelle, Rochefort and La Gorde. It was actually with Ash, so it was a three week trip. Um, and I'm bearing that this might, I'd never been a put, you know, away on my own at all. And three weeks on my own. I remember I had, um, my dad got me like a phone card because mobile phones just weren't a thing back then. And I called home once, you know, that was it. So well, I think Ash told him that I was still alive. But, you know, it was one of those things. I just I just loved it, you know, being away. We, we drove to France. I think it took like eight, nine, eight, nine, ten hours to get down there. But it was um, it was brilliant. And then I suppose I played a lot in France, a lot in Bressuire. Played at RA, uh, quite a few of those sort of big international junior events. But I, I guess for me, it was just, you know, it was like a dream come true. I was like, you know, I was going away from home, you know, I was missing school. It was brilliant, you know, <laughs> playing tennis. It was, yeah. And, what, yeah, really and was that, uh, what sort of squad was that? That was, was that was a national under yeah. nine or? So it would have been the first one, I think would have been a national under nines. And then it changed to GB under 10s and then under 11s, under 12s. So it was like a, initially, I think it was a four, four girls, four boys that went to that, that tour in France. And then it was generally two boys and two girls that used to go to, to the, to the other events. And then, I mean, just the progress that you've made. I mean, if you could bottle what you achieved, Yaz, I mean, <laughs> yeah. please can I buy some shares in that company? I mean, you know, there were so many wins. You, you made it to number one in the country as a junior. You were under 12s, under 13s, under 14s, under 16s, GB national singles champion. I mean, looking back, that just makes me smile. It must make you very, you know, just smile yeah. about what it was you achieved. Yeah, I think I think it was for me. I was, I was quite dominant as a junior. Um, I, you know, I. But then it had its ups and downs because I, I remember I, you know, in, in GB I went a couple of years at least sort of without losing. But that's great on some level. But then actually, 
as you develop and as you get older, sometimes those losses come in and actually it's really hard to deal with them when you've not been used to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's another guy I spoke to before about this, about George Morgan. I don't know if you remember him. He was incredibly dominant as a junior and world junior number one. He won Orange Bowl twice. He did all these things. And then actually transitioning to the senior game, it's, it's very, very different and very difficult at times. So I think it is as great as it is to have all these wins. And I'm really grateful. I, you know, I, I, I worked my socks off to get those wins. I sometimes also think it's really important that, you know, you learn to lose as well. Like you have that balance of playing at different levels. And if you are winning lots, maybe you need a tougher challenge. And actually just finding those balance of playing. You know, when I'm talking to kids, um, you know, parents will say, oh, you know, they lost or the weekend or whatever. And, and I'm just thinking, but it's it's sometimes you learn more from those matches than you do from the ones where you won. So I've had some amazing experiences. Yeah, I, I, I won a lot as a junior, but almost too much, I think, at times. It's a really interesting point, uh, Yaz, in terms of that, um, that learning to lose, isn't it? You know, kids come off absolutely distraught that they've lost yet yeah. I've watched them play and they've played brilliantly yeah you know and, and how did how do we as how do we as coaches how do we as parents how do we get that message home that you know it's yeah. not all about the winning and losing no definitely I think it's one of the things that we probably got right with Jay I mean like with me I was I suppose I was the first one out it sounds awful but you kind of learn and then you, yeah. you change it for the next one down um, and and with Jay it was always about how do you play and then oh did you win rather than you know the first question when parents come off generally is did you win and it's just kind of reframing that and saying well actually how did you play first and you know because I think for Jay he was he was different he was Still very very good junior you know he won a lot he was sort of top 10 I suppose in the, in the country but you know we were really looking just in the Midlands you know there was there was Sam who was a brilliant player who and there was Marcus Walters and they were all kind of higher than Jay at that point so it was just nice to be around that pack but maybe not have so much pressure on you as being the number one and all those things um, so yeah, it's it's important. I think, and I, that's I think it's more of an education for parents than it is for players at times to get your kids into you know where you are now is a very different journey than where you're going to be in future. It's so interesting doing these podcasts, you know, yes, because like, and, and I'm from you know a tennis family. I played a lot and as a kid, blah blah blah. But it's hard out there when you're growing up with a kid. And I remember our Phoebe, you know, she was playing, she was enjoying it. And, and we got asked to, you know, oh, can Phoebe enter this tournament? And then um, we didn't know the difference between a grade three, a grade four, a grade five and a grade yeah. six tournament. And we were like, yeah, of course, Phoebe. Yeah, she's been enjoying playing. We'll put her in. And we put her into, I don't know, it was a grade three or a grade four. And she's making a debut. And she gets absolutely smashed, you know, and it's like, oh, oh, you know, and she's just down and she's and, and it's hard to then get back on the court. I think. Yeah, I think parents and how you can help them, and you're right, you learn, don't you? You know, like, for, mm. I'm sure, like, you, you know, your mum and dad will have learned through the experience with yourself, and that and that benefits, yeah, you know, Jay further down the line, doesn't it? Definitely. I think it's, it is true. It's like, you know, it's a bit of a minefield. And actually learning from, from others that have probably got a little bit more experience and things in the game it is really, really important. So, like I said, you know, make sure that you, you know, you play people who are the same, better, and maybe below in your level. So you actually get that variety and you know that it's not all about, because it's very easy to get into a comfortable situation where you win all the time, your rating goes up, your ranking goes up, but actually, are you getting any better? Maybe not sometimes. And I think that can be, um, people can get really lost in the wins. 
Yeah. And it's not real life, eh? You can't win at everything. You, yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. I think one of the things, we, uh, you know, within squads, I've always tried to incorporate is a lot of competition because I think it's really important that you just, like, like I say, you, you learn to lose. Winners up, losers down, it's the way it goes. You know, and you play everybody and, and it's it's important to know that, you know, you're not with a certain group of players and they're not with, you know, everybody plays everybody. And that's what's really, really important. It's something that um, Ashley, Ashley Broomhead talked about as well. And it's something that when I work with our youngsters, it's something I'm going to really try hard to do a bit more of. And I've started researching how can you bring competition in, even for the very little ones, you know, and, and do you have a dice and, you know, you say you won the first, second and third points, but your, your partner won the fourth, this and six, we'll roll off and see who wins. So still trying to get a bit of fun in it or whatever, yes. but get that competition in there. Yes, definitely. I think it's so important from such a young age to get used to it. Yeah. Uh, come on. Now, I was interested, you mentioned the Orange Bowl and the Orange Bowl, I'd love to ask you about it because... It, orange is my favourite colour. So, and I've always heard over the years, oh, so and so won the Orange Bowl, and yeah. oh, they've made it to the Orange Bowl. What, what is the Orange Bowl, and how, you know, how, what was it like to actually play in the Orange Bowl? Yeah, so uh, it's the World Junior Championships. It's played well. It's played in various places. So, under twelves, uh, it's played in Miami, and the fourteens is played in Miami. And the 80s has played a little bit further up in Florida. I think it's in Orlando now at the National Tennis Center at the base over there. Um, it's just a brilliant event. So it's 128 kids playing this tournament. That's the main draw. Then there's the qualies. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, you know, it's it, you play someone from from different places all over. So when I played, uh, the girls that played it for me were Caroline Wozniacki. Wow. Um, there was Serana Christea, Tamira Pazak. I don't think, uh, Elise Cornet. There was quite a few. So, you know, all went on to do very, very good things. I mean, when Jay played... I'm trying to think now. There was Stefano Tsitsipas. He actually lost first round to Marcus Walters. So there you go. Yes, yeah. So it, it's it's a brilliant event. Um, it's really, really well ran. It's played on hard courts. Obviously, it's absolutely baking. It's like 30 degrees. It's a bit of a different one because you get a humidity break because generally it's so hot and it's so humid. So if you go to a third set, you get 10 minutes before the beginning of the third set. That's quite a nice little rule they bring in. Um, but I guess it's that first stage of of playing competition but one thing that I think they do brilliantly is they have a, a compass draw a, a playback so it, you know I lost in the quarterfinals there and I still went into the playback so you play for an actual position yeah. so it was pretty amazing in terms of the fact that it can give you give you lots and lots of matches because sometimes when you lose in a tournament you play a consolation you go out for and that's it you know you're done um, but it, it's quite a long tour so it's not just the orange ball generally you play Eddie Hur, which you played at Volteris which is ING now and then you used to play Prince Cup, which was a total ramshackle of a tournament. They had six courts and far too many age groups and mixed doubles and all sorts. But it was brilliant. You know, it was a fantastic trip. And again, it was one of my first big trips. And it was, um, I travelled with a lady called Olga Morozova, who was, she was a Wimbledon finalist herself. Um, she was a, a Russian lady. She was incredibly strict, but she was brilliant. And actually she was, she gave us that little bit of freedom, I guess, that, you know, we hadn't had, you know, we'd go to we'd go to dinner and she'd be like okay I'll see you in an hour and I was like whoa you know I'm like 12 years old wandering around Miami it was brilliant um going to probably be happy to hear that but <laughs> you know it was uh it was great and, and I love those tournaments I it was one of the things I think because I enjoyed the tour so much it was one of the, my tournaments that I played really well in I always you know I think I made quarters or semis there pretty much every time I went and it was it was just just because I loved it so much it was yeah. just you know 
Do you know, it's interesting that Ashley was talking about create the environment and, and certainly when I take our Stanley to junior tournaments, you know, I'm trying to create the environment that you feel comfortable in with music and snacks and whatever it is, just so that you've yeah. got, and, and that is such a big part of it, isn't it? Is that- 100%, if, if yeah, definitely. good. Yeah, if you feel if you feel happy and you're quite content, then generally I think you play your best tennis. I mean, it's one of the things over, over the last couple of years. Jay um, Jay always travels now with his Normatex, his like leg compression pants, and he and he always he uses them and he plays on his PlayStation while he does it. So he gets <laughs> he gets his happiness from both sides. So I think yeah, if you're content and you're happy, then generally you'll play your better tennis. Come on, I mean, you know, I, I, we could talk and talk about your, your junior career because it's just, it was, you know, obviously it's amazing. But, you know, is there anything that stands out that makes you think that was the moment where I, I looking back, I loved it? Um, I'm trying to think. There's a few really nice moments. I, it wasn't even a tournament as such. It was the first time I got to play at Wimbledon. Um, so I was very lucky. I got, uh, I did a demonstration at Wimbledon when I was uh, 10 years old. We actually played on centre court. Wow. Pretty crazy. We, we played before the Tim Henman. I want to say it was Tim Henman. It was a middle Saturday in 2001. I, wow. I think he was playing fourth round. It may have been against young Roger Federer. It was a year before <laughs> he won. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. So it was a massive stadium. It was full. And actually just like, you know, I remember being so nervous and walking out on court and then seeing my parents up in the player's box. It was, it was kind of one of those moments. It's a bit of a light bulb moment. It goes, actually, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, amazing. amazing. And, and do you remember how it went? So, you know, you've gone out for one of those hits. Did you go into a game? You know, were you faced with yeah. that? I am about to serve on Saturday <laughs> So we we trained for about four days beforehand. We did like a whole set of drills and different things like that. And then we had some points at the end and we were playing against, uh, I was playing with a girl called Vicky Brooke, whose dad was actually chairman of the All England, went on to become the chairman of the All England. And we played against uh, Jada Donoghue, who was playing the main draw that year. Um, so it was great. Like we played a bit of doubles and yeah, it was just, it was an amazing feeling. I just remember smiling and just beaming the whole Brilliant. time. Great. I've, got to, I've got to tell you our, our little Wimbledon story because we, we took... Uh, the kids down and we took Stanley down and um, Stanley bought one of these giant Wimbledon tennis balls yes. and then I think we had some decent tickets but all he wanted to do was get signatures on on his tennis ball I don't know if you remember this but we waited outside the players entrance this was only a couple of years ago and we waited for ages and we were and I'm like I'm missing we're missing incredible matches here Stanley. he's like oh please can we just wait and see and like and then you know somebody come out and we didn't quite manage it and then I'm like yes it's yes <laughs> I'm like, yeah, please, please, can you sign the ball? And he did it, and he was made up. We still got that tennis ball. And then um, that was the year, I think, that Jay had that amazing run in the mixed doubles. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. No, I do remember. I do remember. You know what? I had one of those balls as well, and I used to hound the players. My dad used to be so frustrated with me. I think as a kid, getting that close, you know, to, to a player and the, getting the signature and things. So, yeah. It's, oh, well, thank yeah. you for that, mate. It was very kind. <laughs> it meant we could get back to the tennis, but to actually play, what an incredible experience. I mean, you know, the, the, the junior career, I get, was it always the intention to turn pro at the end? Did you... I think so, yeah. I think, I, to be honest, for me, I never had... It's very different, I think, now. People have got so many more options with the colleges and things, and I never really felt that was an option for me. I, I think I think perceptions have changed very much around it. You know, I always... 
had that ambition to go pro but I'd never saw I only saw one route to it which was playing professional tennis and I think now there's so many more routes you know you look at going to college and then turning pro you know it gives you those extra few years that sometimes you need to mature which is something that actually in hindsight I probably wish I had done because I you know I, I played pro tournaments from the age of 14 which is you know so so young and I think even even that you know perceptions have changed on that because people used to think yeah you had to go in you had to make it at 16 17 18 whereas now actually Serena's like 36 you know 37 you know she's still playing and 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 winning grand slams so that has definitely changed but I think yeah for me I always wanted to play pro but I, I wish I'd maybe chosen a different route to get there it's a really interesting point, isn't it? If you look at, you know, someone like a Vic Allen, who, who mm-hmm. I guess was, you know, at, at doing similar things in terms of uh, being at that national rankings and stuff. And she's had that opportunity to go to Florida State. She's had that opportunity to play really good tennis, continue yes. the education side. And then you never know what's going to come out at the end. You know, the, the because of that, going later. Yes, definitely. I think, and maybe it sort of, you know, it can be quite disheartening to be sort of a, you know, when you're young and you're very good, you know, you're a big fish in a very little pond. And then as you get older, you're a very little fish in a very big pond. So I think it, it's, it gives you time to mature. And I think coming out of university at 22, 23 years old, knowing that you can still play for another 10 to 12 years yeah. is something that I think people are becoming a lot more open to now. I think generally for me, I push 90% of my players towards that route. Interesting. Really interesting. And, you know, you, you turned pro. Yes. Was it what you thought it would be? I mean, it, the, the really interesting thing here, the contrast between the Orange Bowl experience and then going on to the tour yeah. where, you know, there isn't that... No. Wow, is there? And, and I think... Playing, you know, I've played in some some crazy places. I remember playing in, uh, I'm trying to think where it was, and I think it was Tunisia, and they were drawing the lines on every morning. And I was thinking, this is, you know, bizarre. It's, <laughs> it's, it goes from, you know, from one extreme. And that's the difference. I think when you start at the lower ranks of the professionals, it really can be, you know, very, very different. Taking 17-hour train journeys to get to the next tournament. And it... There were some amazing moments again, but I think it was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. It was you not. Know, the I, can't, I, I can't get this out of my mind. I, I know I should, but I can't move on. Why were they drawing the lines? <laughs> because they basically used to rub off. So they, they were playing on what they called clay, but it was really not clay. Um, and these lines, they should have been nailed down, but in certain parts they weren't. So they were chalking them on every morning uh, with wow. like, it was like a chalk paint mix. Wow. Uh, but I think the courts got longer and shorter and wider and every day, every day was different. So it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So just, you must be looking out just thinking, what is going <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, I've got some great stories like that. You know, I went to Colombia to play some, some challenges at one point and, um, yeah, just just funny things like that, you know, coming out of the airport and you, there's armed guards, you're thinking, should I be here? You know, <laughs> these are the things that I've been through. But but also these experiences have kind of shaped what I've been like, who I've become as a coach. And, yeah. and, and I think they made me better for it as well. And at high points, the, the thoughts that, you know, the, yeah. I know, you know, injuries really got in the way, but yeah, high, high, what were the high points of that, of, you know, your, your journey on, um, in pro ranks? When I was, when I was, I just turned 15 and 
Um, I went for a nine week tour with my dad um, out in the States and we played, we played three junior ITFs and I did great in those. I think I won two, I made final of a third. And then I went and played my first sort of like, I guess, pro tournaments outside of the UK where I hadn't sort of got a wild card or, or been allowed in the draw. And I went and I had to play four matches to quality. And then I qualified and made the final. And I was like, I think I was, yeah, just, just 15 at the time. And I just remember thinking, gosh, like, I played like nine matches in like six days. I was exhausted, but it was brilliant. It was a, a great trip. You know, I always loved traveling with my dad. You know, everyone would like warm up together in the morning and I'd be there with my dad, who was just basically a brick wall. He didn't really do a lot, but he just got the ball back in for me um, to, to play with it. And it was great. You know, I think that's one of my my really high, sort of key moments in my career, you know, spending that time with my dad on court, you know, playing, traveling. It was, it was brilliant. It makes me smile that, come on. And and then, you know, you, you've, it, injury got in the way. You were still yeah. very young. I mean, how, how old were you at that point where you're thinking? Just... So uh, my back, I slipped, so I, I slipped a disc in my back um, when I was 19. And obviously I, I struggled with my knees quite a bit and I had chin splints. So, I mean, I would have only been, from the age of sort of 15 to 21, I really struggled. I never really got... I never really played more than six months in a row. So I remember my ranking always resetting, um, you know, every few months just because it was essentially I'd lose all my points, I'd start again. And it, that was really, really difficult. Um, and I think it did sort of take its toll after a while. And I kind of, sort of 19, 20, I kind of decided to go down a different route. I was looking to do my coaching badges. Yeah. They was just kind of starting to take things a little bit more seriously. And I was playing a few British tours. Like I loved, I loved still competing. Yeah. But also not to the point where like your body feels like it's falling apart. So. I remember like I'm such a stato on these things, but I remember following the British tour at that point, and you you were you were reaching finals and winning British tour events, weren't you? And even yeah. they had that end of term, end of year thing, didn't they? Which was like yeah. you always seemed to be doing well in that. When I was looking on these, yeah, ITF I think, yeah, the, the British tour matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I won it a few a few times at the end of the year, but I, there was one person I always used to lose to, Anna Fitzpatrick. She was <laughs> she, you know, like when you play someone who's just got your number, like yeah. honestly, I used to hate playing her. Um, but yeah, no, I did well. And, and for me, it was kind of, it produced that little bit of extra income and I was able to sort of do my coaching, do a bit of traveling and just actually really enjoy my tennis. And it was a bit straight, like towards the end, when I was sort of 2021, 20, I actually played some of my best tennis just because, you know, I wasn't, I was maybe hitting an hour a day, but I was spending a lot of time on court with Jake. Uh, um, I wasn't really that stressed, I guess. I was maybe quite relaxed and, and actually ended up playing, producing some of my best tennis just because I was quite relaxed. And I think some people find that, you know, when they come back from injuries, they generally play better because they kind of forgot all the other, you know, the rubbish, the, the negative thoughts, the doubts and things. That all just kind of disappears because you're just going back to basics. So, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed doing that. And I think that was a really nice transition for me to then be able to go on to coach. And how about psychologically, uh, Yes, It must have been incredibly hard because tennis was a massive part of your life. Yeah. from when you started and then you're realizing that you know it's you, your body's saying I can't keep going with this at this level yeah I mean how did you deal with that psychologically I think it was really difficult for me for a very very long time I think I always decided that I knew that I wanted to do something within sport like I you know being sporty was just kind of a part of my life and obviously tennis was naturally that that journey for me and I wasn't sure initially how I would feel coaching and I guess my dad was coaching Jay at the time and I was kind of 
torn between how how do I make this work you know how do I play and because it was it's that like oh but maybe if I can just get you know maybe I can just do this I can you know I can get back on court and I can play and it was kind of, it was very, very difficult for me emotionally, I think, because you've invested so much, yeah. you know, and you feel like you've given so much to the sport. But I think knowing that I, there are, you know, looking at tennis, you know, there's not just the people on court. There are so many other things that go into tennis. There are so many different avenues to be involved in sport. And I think that's what kind of, it kind of led me down the route to become coaching and then also to do some of my mentoring that I do. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to try and inspire others to actually play sport as well. This is what strikes me is, you know, not all players who who play go into coaching, not all players who play and go into coaching love coaching, but it's all, yeah. you, you love sport, don't you? You, yeah. you know, that's the thing. And that's, I guess, if you've got that love of sport, then yeah. that transition to coaching is something that's that's more natural, that's more... Definitely. And, and for me, I love, co- like, I love coaching. I don't, the, the thing that I've always felt is I do, um, I do maybe 20 hours a week of on-court stuff. And I thought like that's enough for me to yeah. then, because I think sometimes when you do sort of 40, you know, plus hours on court, it can get a little bit much, a little bit mundane. But for me, every time I step on court, I feel, you know, energized and ready to go. And I think that for me is really, really important. So I try not to do too much, which is why I've tried to look at some other avenues within tennis, within sport to try and, sort of um I guess top of my wages as such it's a really good point that I think you know because I'm new to coaching I get uh, you know I've kind of left the corporate world to go to coaching and and I I can overdose on it and sometimes I want to keep it fresh I want to have the buzz I want to get out and get that enthusiasm up and if you do too much it's tricky to do that oh definitely definitely and I think sometimes your body can can take a hit as well you know even with that so it's um it's definitely finding the balance with it so true. One of the one of there's not many positives in this lockdown, is there? Yes, but, uh, but my body's getting a rest. I feel like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you're a level five coach, yeah, as a master performance coach. How was it doing that level five as someone who found level three just t- tough enough? You know, <laughs> um, level five was absolutely brutal. It was. It was. Um, <laughs> It was not just uh, the, so I, I spent a lot of time with Louis Kaya and Lucy Arle kind of delivered. Um, and Louis is absolutely brilliant. But if you ever spent any time with him, he goes at 5 million miles an hour yeah. all the time. So you you have got to be on it. And it's, you know, and he does three, four hours in a row. So it can be quite, woof, you know, you come out of a morning session and you're like, right, okay, I've taken six pages of notes that make no sense, but I'll try and decrypt them later. And it, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Spending time with somebody like him, who's just such a, I mean, he's just such a master of the game. The philosophy that he has and the structure that he's built, I think, to help coaches develop. I mean, I, you know, I was probably a little bit naive when I went onto it. I was like, you know, I've played at quite a high level, you know, I've done level four, I know quite a lot. And it was just like, I know nothing. Honestly, it was it was such an eye opener on how he structures things. And that for me has changed my coaching because it gives me so much more of a structure in how I, you know, how I approach things, how I go and look at, you know, evaluating different players, setting up drills, yeah. not just for one player, but to make it so that everybody on the court is getting some type of benefit. So I think it's, um, it was incredibly hard. There was a lot of assignments, but it was, yeah, definitely worth it. Come on. I mean, really interesting. And I'm guessing that helps with the work that you're doing as well with the Youth Sports Trust. I know you've been a mentor there for a while, haven't you? 
what, what is it for people who are listening and they think, oh, Youth Sports Trust, what is it that they do and what's your role? So I'm an athlete mentor for the Youth Sports Trust. Uh, they are a charity that is um, sort of geared towards engaging and uh, I guess engaging young people in sports. So generally we'll go into schools um, and deliver lots of different programmes. So quite a few of them have become sort of mental health projects. So active in mind around how people can stay healthy and be involved in sport but generally it can be small things within your life uh, beyond the baseline looks to engage people actually with tennis um so it may be people who are not engaged in sport or maybe have behavioral issues it gives you that discipline and focus and all the different things i think this is the thing that with sport it gives you so much more than just hitting a ball you know yeah. it teaches you discipline it teaches you best efforts, leadership, working within a team. And these are things that not just, you know, not just within tennis, but actually within life, it's really, really important. So it's those skills that you develop. So that's that's what we do in school. So it's quite, there's loads of different programs. It's empowering girls to develop confidence there. There's lots and lots of different programs I work on, but it's, for me, it's just completely different than my tennis and I love it. Yeah. And there's just right now, you know, we're in that position where, whatever sport it is you do it's not likely that it's taking place on a yeah. saturday morning and so a charity that is is driven to get more kids involved in sport it's going to be more important than ever when hopefully fingers crossed touch wood the vaccine comes in and we get out of this situation yeah definitely i think even now we're still delivering some workshops online so um there's another program that i just started working on which actually it's sort of incorporated within the wimbledon foundation so that's called set for success which is it's brilliant it, it kind of it gives you nine different aspects so the next one i'm delivering on is on communication so we can do that online so they can still keep i guess with a touch within a sort of sport but maybe not necessarily doing the practical side of things but yeah, it's, it is, I think it's going to be so, so important to get people active. And I think that was one thing that was really, you know, we were so lucky in the last year, the very first lockdown, the weather was amazing. Um, so people were able to outwalk, go walking and, and, you know, do different things. But I think right now it's obviously, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, we're trying to keep things going. I've got a fun fit class I do on a Saturday morning where mm -hmm. we're doing like footwork drills and, and cones and running to the cones and back and then we were, the thing that I'm starting to do is a little challenge at the end so can you roll this ball at the cone for the, the little ones yeah, and if they miss it, then they've got to dance along to the birdie song or whatever that sounds great that sounds and that is absolutely brilliant just for just getting people involved and engaging them that's that's exactly what's all about the heartbeat up isn't it you know it, it, that's the thing with exercise so many life skills that you learn through sport and also that fact that once you've done it you feel good yeah definitely definitely right. now i know you, you mentioned uh that one of the youth sport trust programs is for girls tennis is very traditionally male dominated mm. how do you think as we can get more girls playing tennis more females coaching tennis more women running tennis i think there's been a big drive in the last few years to try and engage more sort of females within the sport i think you know obviously with judy murray's program that she runs for, for coaches and for girls but i think it's having more um more role models I guess for me I, you know growing up I did there wasn't many female coaches I guess not many people see it as a, a viable career 
with having families and things and for me I'm you know I'm going to do my very best to make it balance because I think it's really important to still be involved within it I think they are LTA are actively trying to you know recruit more females uh, within their staff you know try and level up those types of things and they, I know they have a really a really good female sort of performance program that they're leading it's mentoring scheme and the six or seven coaches mentoring sort of the coaches sort of the level below but it's um it's, it's again I think it's quite successful just trying to use those to level you know mentor those guys and then again actively spread it out a little bit further but um they are trying to, to get more people engaged in the sport and I think for me that's where the American College is, is really really good because I think education wise maybe girls go more of the academic route than necessarily than the boys and so two girls that I was working with last summer so Lottie Allen and um and May Fitzgerald they've both gone off to college which I think was a sort of perfect choice for both and they both love tennis come on a big but, shout out to Lottie and May I, I know yeah that's what I mean so but, but this has kept them in sport you know yeah. this has kept them playing tennis necessarily if they I think the British unions are doing better at it but they still got a long way to go to catch up with the guys in America but they're actively playing and I think maybe they'd have lost that if they'd come to university here or maybe not played quite as much or quite it's a really level. really really good point and uh, I actually saw I was on uh, Facebook this morning I noticed that Lottie has set off for Philadelphia this morning he has, he has. how exciting yeah I know because I know she was meant to go in September and it's just it's just one of those things that's just been delayed and delayed and delayed and I know May eventually went I think she went in September or maybe just at the end of August last year but I know she's having a blast as well so um yeah no, really. I think it's really important actually that because you know I do the Derbyshire tennis social media stuff and I've just got to try and keep in touch with all, all our players who are out there now, because in terms of role models and experiences, yeah. such a good way of showing our, our younger juniors, isn't it? Just Yeah, definitely. What the, what, the, what the possibilities are. I mean, you look at someone like Chris Simpson as well. You know, Chris yeah. obviously done fantastic, but he's now, I want to say he's head coach at oh, Louisiana. Do you know? And do you know what comes into mind when I think of Chris? He is head coach, and I think I think you might be right. I need to double check that. Yeah. But the thing that comes to mind for me is that in our fantasy football league, he is top <laughs> of the league, and he's absolutely flying. It's like I aspire for me, Stanley's and Ned's team to get in the top half, and he's top of the table. That Chris, how has he managed to do that? He needs to focus more on his tennis, I think. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's doing it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, what a great example, Yaz, of somebody who's gone over there and, and made a life out of tennis. Yeah, definitely. Just prospered massively. Yeah, lovely, man. Oh, come on. Now, I mean, along with, with Curtis, you, you're very much a part of the, the coaching, the support for, for Team Clark, which has seen Jay move up to, I think it's a high of about 153 in, in the world rankings, which is just amazing, you know. Um, and he's still, you know, very much, he's a young player. But you did your coaching role with Jay start in those early days at CURC way back when? He did. So, yeah. So, um, poor Jay. He's been dragged into it since, you know, since he could walk, essentially. He <laughs> up the end of him in a nappy and a racket. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. So, because I, I stopped playing when he was born. So, that's all he's ever known. Um, but, yeah, no, we... With Jay at the minute, I my role my roles I guess kind of I suppose more of a management role. I kind of deal with all his day to day. Again, you're talking about being happy. I remember for me having to deal with all the flights, hotels, coaches, booking. You know, like all the other things that you have to deal with, and it's just taking away your focus from being on court. Yeah. So my role is to try and 
take away all those outside issues and just let him focus on tennis. So I deal with, you know, his day-to-day sort of invoicing, um, liaising with coaches, tournaments, just booking everything. And then also, you know, I, I, you know, I love watching his matches and I can help give him some feedback sometimes. And it does take it pretty well from Big Sis, which is what I'm, you know, it was quite hard initially when we traveled because he was, well, initially he was really good. He was like 12 and then he hit those cheeky years when he got to like 15, 16. Um, but now, no, we, we get on great and it's, it's, it's a pleasure to travel with him. You know, I think my last trip was, I always tell him, uh, tend to do the India trip at the end of the year and there's one in Mexico that he used to play with in, in March. Um, but we haven't done those for a little while now, obviously because of COVID, but yeah, no, I, I do love still traveling with him. It's, it makes me smile because I think the the song that comes into my mind is it's a family affair and, and it is with yeah. you guys. You, you're all so close and, you know, there'll be some families who'll be like, I'm not going away with my brother or my sister. But that's not <laughs> Case, is it you know and with Curtis as well you guys are still yeah. so close yeah we've got we've got a group chat as as kids have got a group chat and it is just you know my sister will post in there or well done or you know and then I'll put in there like yeah but maybe do this next time or, or this was really good maybe you can look at this and Kelsey, yeah no we're doing this and yeah we, we all chat and catch up every probably every day which is yeah quite rare as we've got older but um no we are really really close that's brilliant. I mean, Jay's still very young, you know, um, but and he's already had so many highlights. But is it is the one that stands out for you so far? I think his first challenger win was huge. I think he um it was a really, you know, he played against people, he beat Marcel Granoles and he beat John Thompson. And he just really showed what he was capable of. And that was when he was, I want to say he was 19. He was very, very young when he had his first win. Um, and again, last last April, he had a huge win in China. After, and, and generally, his high moments have come off actually some, some quite difficult sort of periods because one that we've noticed is JL have sort of three amazing tournaments and then he struggles to, to find the balance and things for four or five tournaments. But... You know, I think his tournament in China, I think he had lost six straight matches in a row. And then he went and found his form and actually won the event. And that just shows him what he's capable of. And I think that's the same, you know, recently. I think he's had a little bit of, you know, COVID's been difficult, you know, just yeah. to even get on court and practice um, sort of properly. So it has been very challenging for him to, to improve these last sort of six months. But actually he's done really well you know last week and I feel like he's building that momentum again in the right direction to be able to go and have one of those big results but yeah I think Binghamton for me was huge I think that was you know or China one of those two were, were both brilliant well, I know we're like we've got it set up on Google so I don't know how I set it up but somehow when Jay's match starts it sends me an alert and then we're into like <laughs> right come on Jay come on <laughs> Jay's got, yeah. got a big old Derby fan club with the likes of uh, Pab Gill as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. he really has. Yeah, he has. He's very, very lucky. You know, I guess um, as a tennis community in Derby, I think we're really lucky. You know, there's so many. It's just such a big community. There's lots of families that play um, and and just actively involved in supporting each other. And I think that's very, very lucky. But I think, yeah, Dar- obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I do think Derby tennis community is brilliant. Come on, Jay. Um, now, I mean, 
when I watch the kids play tennis, I get nervous, even when they're playing a friendly match against whoever. Yeah, I'm not very good at watching the kids play tennis. How are you when you're watching Jay? I mean, it must be yeah. tricky, yeah? It is really, really hard. I think one of the things I, I, I generally, you, you can see my top half, but my hands are like this underneath. <laughs> you know, um, I, it's what I try and watch and, you know, neutral expressions, lots of positives, but it is, it is really, really hard because sometimes you want to, oh, you yeah. know, and it, it's just, I, I see parents do it all the time and thinking that's not going to help because yeah. I've been in that situation and I know it doesn't help. So, so basically, um, I mean, for people who are uh, who are listening rather than watching, but you've got to just get the... Yeah, just your, calm expression. Calm. Maybe maybe a little maybe a little smile because I always feel like I have a smile that relaxes me. And yeah. I'm like, come on, this is the next one, you can do it, sort of thing. <laughs> and, it just, and generally when they glance at you, they're looking for a boost, a confidence, you know. You know, they're not looking at you, you know, to critique them. They generally right. just want you to go, come on, next one. You know, yeah, that's it. Vamos, as they say. That's it, that's it. All oh, right, well, that's a good lesson for me. I need to get better at it. I'm fine <laughs> if, it's like, if, if it's people who I'm coaching. I'm fine. I think because yes. you can emotionally yeah, take yourself away. It's true, it's true. It is, it, I think when it's personal, obviously, it, it does mean a lot. And I think that's why it's quite, it can be quite difficult. But it is just trying to get that... Um, um that sort of happy relaxed demeanor i think is what's important yes 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 um what's your hope for 2021 i mean we've said the season you know it's been such a tough time for for all players with with covid etc but yeah. what's the the hope for team clark in 2021 I think to try and get initially to try and get a consistent schedule because i think even the atp are struggling there um at the minute the sort of two tournaments a week if that so I think trying to find a consistent schedule and get back to just some basics and I think the results will follow I, I'm I'm not a big fan of chasing results and then you know working backwards I think if you get the tennis right you get the schedule right you get the setup right everything else will fall in line so I think trying to have you know these next three months I think they're hopefully releasing a schedule soon of updated challenger and, and ATP events um, find the schedule, get back to basics with the tennis and then go from there. Uh, but I, you know, I know that Jay can break the top 100, but it's when it happens. It's not if, it's when, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon this game is. And if it takes a little bit longer, then it takes a bit longer. But I think getting back to some normality is what he needs. It's what we all need, isn't it really? Here's to normality, hey, come on. Craving normality. We would have said that 18 months ago. I crave normality. (laughs) (laughs) Some structure. That's what we crave. Come on, normality. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, mate. So, I mean, congratulations. You've recently become a mum. So exciting. it's before long maybe you'll be a tennis parent um, oh my goodness i've said that i'm uh, i'm passing that role on to jay and curtis they can play with her my dad it was funny he was rolling the ball with her recently and i'm just like dad she's she's like <laughs> she can't set up yet like let her go <laughs> Oh, amazing, amazing. What's what I mean, what's your guidance for the for the we've touched on it a bit already, but what's your guidance for the tennis parents out there on how they can best support their children? I think try uh, I do think the parents should be involved. I think sometimes, you know, coaches can be like, you know, this is my domain and then parents need to stay over there, but I, I don't agree with that. I think parents need to be involved as much as possible. Um, whether that's 
continuing to so for instance I always set my kids to try and do some serve practice on their own so they might need their parents to help facilitate that or whether it's using something like you know coach's eye to try and do some video clipping and and then actually sending that to me because I think it's it's building the relationship with parents and and using them but I think they should just try and basically help facilitate what the coach thinks the player needs so if they think that they maybe need to do um, some more SNC, it's how they can facilitate that. And that's not necessarily going and getting an SNC coach. That's maybe on a Saturday morning, they need to go for a jog, or they could do with doing some extra swimming, or maybe some footwork drills, and actually just helping them that way. Yeah, agreed. Great advice. Great advice, yes. Now, I mean, it's. Uh, I was just thinking as you were saying that, it's uh, knowing what, what question I was going to say next. I think you're going to make a great commentator. You, you've recently <laughs> made this move into commentating. How did that come about and, and how have you found it so far? Yeah, so I've, I suppose I've been, I've been trying to get into it for a little while. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, it was a, a friend of mine who, who works at the LTA media team who said that they were setting up the Battle of the Brits events. Um, it was all sort of very last minute because I know Jamie literally texted her on Monday and it, they were starting the event on Sunday. If you wanted to, to you know, to get to, to get involved, um, and yeah, it was just kind of, it was just sort of, you're going to be the co-commentator, you know? Can you add a little bit and 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 see how it goes? And it went really, really well. It was just a really nice experience, um, and again, a different side of tennis. And I think this is what you know I'm always looking for is how like different opportunities within sort of the sport I love. So. Yeah, it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. I hope, fingers crossed, I'll get to do a bit more in, in 2021. That would be brilliant. Yeah, I can just, uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear you do some more commentating. <laughs> Come on, last, last couple of questions. Um, so if you were put in charge of world tennis for a day, what would be the one thing you would definitely, definitely do? Well, um, I've been quite lucky. I've recently... Um, I've recently gone to the committee for the LTA. So I've, I've just joined the committee. And I think one of the things that I'm really keen and passionate for the LTA to do for, for this country is to get more indoor courts, because I think we're a nation that is not blessed with weather, unfortunately. Um, and I think we have a lot of brilliant outdoor facilities. But when I go to other places, like for instance, you know, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, you know, Romania, they have a lot of these low cost sort of indoor structures. So it's a bit like they have one at Nottingham Trent, sort of, I guess, a double skin dome over a, over a wooden structure or something like that. And I think, like, for instance, in Derbyshire, we've got an amazing tennis playing community, but yeah. we've got such a small set of indoor courts. Yeah. So I think having more indoor facilities would naturally grow the game massively anyway. What a result that would be, you know, and I've become so aware of it. I'm like a weatherman now when I'm like... Yeah, when I'm absolutely. I'm like... Oh, what's it going to be like out there? Do I ca- oh, keep an eye on the weather? We might have to cut. Ca- oh, we don't need. Oh, ah, let's go to it. It's like, oh. Exactly. And I think if we had, because one thing I also know is, is, is the cost of indoor courts can be very, very expensive, especially within Derbyshire and within the Midlands, because we don't have enough. Yeah. Um, so actually being, being able to make those affordable, but if there was more structures, I think they would be. Um, and I think there are plenty of places that, that could do it. They could facilitate it. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to see more indoor courts to help grow the game. You've got my vote. Come on. <laughs> it's, um, it's really interesting because when uh, I worked in innovation, they always used to say, what's the problem you're trying to solve? And, and sometimes I've got this idea and I'm basically not trying to solve any problem. I just want to get this idea through. So I'm like trying to think of a problem for the idea. But... <laughs> 
the thing that I have become so aware of is we have a massive problem of not having indoor courts. So I know what the problem is from an innovation. So I'm thinking, well, how can we innovate around this? Yeah. Now, like when we go camping, we've got this big gazebo sort of tent yes. thing. And actually, I'm like, it's really good. I'm like, can't we just make a massive one of that? And I've actually yeah. started looking up tent companies. Yes. So I've got this list of tent companies to send them an email going, could you do a big one? Just yeah, it's true. It's true. It's because uh, obviously the LTA have got when you go twenty C, they've got sort of like the half. I guess it's not even a dome; it's like a half structure. They haven't got anything on the sides. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, you need. It's just having that cover. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all the way around. Even it just needs to be able to enable you to actually play. Right, we've got to start this company. I think the um, so because you know if you think about Watchorn and how Watchorn was oh, so brilliant. like uh, brilliant, you know, innovative. It's something yeah. I talked to Ash a lot about in the podcast, and and that was what was that was that the eighties that they put a bubble up, and that yes. was innovative at that point. Yet yeah. still, the eighties to now. Now, bubbles are still innovative. But if yeah. you think about what a computer was like in the yeah. 80s, a computer's the size of this room yeah, and it's now exactly. the size of this. It's like yeah. things have moved on. I just yeah, think, but I think it's like you say, because maybe not enough people have been invested in the issue. Yeah. So it just hasn't moved on. It's yeah. just still the same problem. Because and they're expensive bubbles still. Yeah. And there's got to be a way. I, I tell you what, I'm going to start emailing these people. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll keep you posted on this one. No, let me know, definitely. <laughs> and, and final, final question. Um, it's just one which we ask everyone. It was one I was asked when I was actually getting a, an interview to be a, a radio presenter a long time ago. Um, yeah. But I always thought it was a great question. If you could go for a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? So I would choose Arthur Ashe. So I remember one of the very first things starting tennis um I went to the tennis center and there was always a picture of a guy on the wall and I never knew who it was and I remember asking my dad about it and it was he told me it was Arthur Ashe and he was like I didn't know who he was and he said he was the only black man to ever win Wimbledon and I was like wow okay so I, I had a look into it I've read quite a few books on him now and um, and you know he won he beat Jimmy Conley I think it was 45 years ago now and it was the wow. he beat him with the drop shot lob and I remember for me, I, it was like one of the first tactics that I learned to play as tennis. And honestly, it's something that I overused massively. But it was also probably one of the shots that it was definitely my favourite shot. And watching, I remember going to watch that match. I actually watched it. And I think it was on a BBC run on a, on a very wet and windy um, Wimbledon sun afternoon at some point. Uh, and they played it. And it was just brilliant to see. And I think I'd love to know what he makes of tennis now you know how how it's moved on or, or maybe how it's not moved on the way he thought it would have but yeah for me it was it was always him he's he's an, uh, an icon within our sport and i'd love to have known a little bit more about him what a brilliant answer what a brilliant answer and i know um i know there's many things at derbyshire tennis center and i love it for this by the way Yes. I haven't changed over the years. I wonder if that picture's still there. I don't know. It used to be on the, the wall on the stairs. I don't think it is anymore, but I'd love to know where it went because it was a brilliant picture. It was him playing a backhand slice on grass. So, uh, yeah, no, I remember it very fondly. That's what we need to do. So I'm down there for, for the kids' county coaching and stuff like that quite a lot. I'm going to sneak back a picture yes. of that. It's going to be back in place. <laughs> That's it. Please do. Please do. <laughs> 
yes, hey, well, brilliant answer. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I no, know- no, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, you've had, you know, you've had such an amazing tennis journey already. You can't wait to see what the next chapters bring. Thank you. No, I, I fingers crossed. Hopefully lots of lots of different things, but also hopefully um, improving lots of good tennis players as well. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.